This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast, and it's the Wednesday after the Saturday when we got a right good talking in Wednesday. Um, we can laugh about it actually because we had quite good fun up there, to be fair. But you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that we fluffed it. Man sent off after a few minutes, and it was all over. But we're going to come and talk about that in a minute. We've got a very, very, very packed podcast today, quite lively, going to be talking about all sorts of things, some football things, some non-quite football things as well. Yeah, we're going to be talking about people like Dean Smith. We're going to talk about that Wednesday game. We've got an interview with Cliff Crown, who's going to talk about FC Mitterland and their £71 Europa Cup ticket against Man United. And also, if Brentford play Man United next season, we'll be playing the same price. We've got to talk about the Wheelie Bin 1 protest. Paul Slattery, who got done for putting some wheelie bins, or he didn't do it, but somebody put some wheelie bins outside a councillor's house, and there's all sorts of malarkey about that. So we've got him on to talk about that, because there's a big protest today. Um, Also, we're going to talk about Derby. We've got the DCFC flag man in the house, he's going to chat to us. We've got all sorts of stuff. So anyway, I'm Billy Grant, I'm feeling a bit lively after Saturday, and I'm in uh, Newcastle. Chiswick. It's the final frontier. It's it's the it's the the final. It's like almost like the borderline between before you get into QPR territory. So we're we're on the edge. We're on the final frontier, drinking frontier beer. Funny enough. Funny. Funny that. So I'm at another booze that I used to go to when I was at school, which is the old pack horse down the Chiswick High Road. You used to go to a lot of pubs when you were at school. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't got an education. Listen, listen. There, there was a lot of learning. It was a, it was about the cultural uh, the, the cultural things learning that went about on. Life. Life skills, mate. That that was indeed. That, it, it was indeed. Anyway, but listen, I tell you something again. I've walked inside this place completely different to what I was before. Wicked little boozer. They've they've just scrubbed all these places up very very nicely. Good bit of Thai food as well we've had. So uh, yeah, then the old pack horse here in Chiswick, the final frontier. QPR land to our left, Brentford land to our right. Point of frontier in the middle. But anyway. I'm here myself, Billy Grant. I've got Mr. Dave Lane with me. Dave, how are you? I'm all right, mate. It's a it's a it's a pretty packed show tonight. I'm I'm going to call it a show. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think the, the Paul Slattery demo at uh, the Chiswick Town Hall that will be of interest to a lot of people. 
Um, and uh, as you say, Cliff Crown talking about ticket prices that may or may not come our way if we were to draw someone big in the cup. <laughs> Um, and I've got a confession to make as well later on. Uh, you, oh, I'll, 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 I'll confess later, mate. Yeah, My yeah. sins. Yeah, you must admit you're not looking 100% though, like. No, I'm not, but you, you've never looked 100% either. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not for the want to try, but anyway, talking about 100%, we've got Mr Nick Carthew in the house. Not so liberal, Nick. How are you doing? I'm really good, I'm really good. I recovered from Saturday, had a fantastic day out in Sheffield. God, I love that city and love those people. I had a really good time. Uh, looking forward to a pack show tonight, so we better move on quickly. And, uh, we're going to move on quickly, even though, Nick, I mean, you did get something off your chest on Saturday, which we're going to discuss later. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having more time to explain my thoughts, probably not aided by four pints of blueberry beer and two peach ales. OK, so you're, you're blaming that. And that's, that's Nick's comments on, on Dean Smith, <laughs> which we're going to hear about in the, the Sheffield Wednesday um, Chop Up podcast from the pub. But anyway, we've also got Mr Savvy B in the house. Sav, how are you doing? Uh, I'm fine, thanks, Billy. Uh, I've had a nasty cold, but I'm just getting over it. So if you hit, get a coffee and fit later on, that'll be me. Uh, and I just want to say that uh, this is commitment. Me coming out here unwell this is commitment Taki take note that's right it is commitment for you and that's why you thought you've got to get yourself a few ales down as well you know as you can say you're obviously well enough to be drinking lots of uh, is that Montana or Frontier what are you drinking it's, uh, it's red because I'm a red I'm Montana red okay there you go and Paul Slattery's a red as well apparently so but anyway with no further ado we're going to talk about the Wednesday game but let's go back to the pub post-match in the pub which was actually we lost 4-0 but it was actually right a laugh um, if you listen to the full podcast you can hear it it's quite lively Wednesday fans were a good laugh but we're going to just chop it up a little bit to hear what the fans had to say about Brentford being beaten 4-0 at Sheffield Wednesday I'd say up until 3.05 we're having a good time uh, and then our man got sent off uh, whether it was a red card or not hard to say without any replays or not. Well, what we've heard from characters, Sky Sports, everyone, it wasn't a red card. Apparently, Hooper did the old falling down trick, but he's a professional and he knows how to do that, so we were down to ten men. Yeah, well... (laughs) Exactly, well, yeah, once your man's gone, I mean, it's always going to be difficult. It's always going to be difficult, and uh, we weren't bad, but it was just playing... 85 minutes with 10, with 10 men was never going to be easy against a decent Sheffield Wednesday side. Today was the defi- one of the defining moments of the new Sheffield Wednesday. We played Brentford in April in the old Sheffield Wednesday and we had no expectations. We, we expected nothing, a draw, if that. And we got a shock win against you when you were on the up when that was last, last season, season. That was. That last season. It was and a today, horrible game though, wasn't it? And it was a horrible game, but we got a shock win. We were really happy. But we expected a win today, and we got a win. It was a great performance all round. Sorry. Um, I would. Against him, man. Well, and um, different perspectives. With, through Wednesday eyes, I mean, the, the Hooper incident was level with us where we sit on the north stand, and it looked a foul. As soon as he gave it, it was a foul. It had to be a sending off because he was fair on goal. I'd say you were a little bit we're lucky happy, today, don't you think so? <laughs> Do you know what? I'd have taken a point. When we were 3-0 up, I'd have taken a point. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we had to get the fourth and properly kill you off. First five minutes was fantastic, and then that sending off happened, and uh, well, that was the day over, really. Whether it was a foul or not, you know, we're going to have to check that again. Sky said apparently not. It didn't look a bit soft to me. Fact was, Barbe got wrong side on the halfway line after five minutes. That was a bit cheap. 
and the way we gave away the second and third goals was uh, well, was, was is, totally unforgivable. Before today, a lot of Wednesday fans were saying a team is due a smashing, and unfortunately for you guys, you got it. Yeah. It's unfortunate for you guys, but a we didn't even get out of second gear, second half, you know, but a, te a team was due a hammering, and you guys have got it. Tell you what worries me is that I don't, I think from from the team that was announced today, I think there is a suggestion that Smith doesn't know his best 11. And unfortunately, because of what happened today, he's probably absolutely no clearer on what his best 11 is. And that is my concern moving towards the end of the season. I'm going to make a big call and say I am now not convinced that Dean, Dean Smith is the right manager for us. Um, I know that's a big shout. It will get a lot of it will get a lot of people commenting, but I'm not certain that Dean Smith is not now out of his depth. Is he a manager who knows how to cope with when we're battling down the bottom of the league rather than with a team that's fighting at the top of the league? He's got a lot to prove in the next couple of weeks to me. I'm sorry to say that to him, but I'm starting to just, just, just get a few doubts. Let's see where we go from here. Next week is a very big week for him. I think it's, I think it's a real shame. He's clearly wanted to see what Hoffman can do with support. He's clearly put Kirschbaumer on. We haven't seen a lot of him to see what he can do. Kirschbaum has been taken off seven minutes into the game. We've got no idea. You're down to ten men, so Hoffman's basically standing there by himself with no support. I thought it was a little bit strange that he was left on, but maybe the decision was, was to just give him 90 minutes, although he was largely ineffective for the final second half, to be perfectly honest. And I think that's a bit of a shame. We were nice in 25 second bursts. Nice. Tidy. Yes. In 25 sort of second bursts, we'd sort of string a little bit together, but we had no penetration. Um, we didn't really own the midfield. The defence was looking terrified. Basically, we were rubbish. Basically, we were terrible. Some interesting views from the fans, both Brentford and Sheffield Wednesday fans from the pub after the game. And haven't been at the match. I must admit, I thought we'd be. I thought we might get a draw. And it was interesting, as I said, Dean Smith set his stall out slightly differently, slightly experimental. It all went horribly wrong after five minutes. After Barbe fouled Hooper, whether or not it's a foul or not, you don't know. Some people say yes, it was. Some people say no, it wasn't. You don't know. But the fact is, it completely changed the game. Not necessarily because. We are down to ten men, but it's the fact that you know they just seem to have just got the puff knocked out of them, and they just 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 didn't perform after that. You know, all they did in in, in bits and pieces, but you know it was it was quite, it was quite difficult. So uh, in that game, it was disappointing. Like I said, lots of Beast fans have paid thirty six pounds to go up there, plus your train fare, plus you know, everything else like that. You, the clubs could turn around and say, well, it's not our fault. We can't predict what the referee's going to do. We can't predict these things. But it was disappointing for the Beast fans. But on the plus side of it, I think what well, everyone went out. There was a bit of gallows humour, you know, a bit of humour on the terraces. A few songs coming out there, you know. We'll sing what you want, unless it's got more than too many syllables. We'll sing what we want, which was quite a funny song, or maybe it was funny after the amount of ales that we had. <laughs> you it know, was gallows humour, Billy. It was gallows. It was gallows humour, and also in, in the in the bar, both before and after the game, I have to confess, you know, Wednesday, I haven't had a great relationship with Wednesday fans. When I say relationship, is that every time we go up there always get a little bit of a heggy with Wednesday as opposed to United who, who seem to be a lot friendly and sometimes that just comes down to who you know and I've got quite a lot of United friends and I haven't really got that many Wednesday friends up until recently when we did a little documentary up there and the Wednesday fans welcomed us into their bar and we had an absolutely fantastic time both before and after the game and all the Bees fans who we invited in there said they'd come there there's probably about a good 30 of us in there as well everyone had a really good time so 
you know, great for us, having a good time. Unfortunately, not such a great time on the pitch. And for you, Nick? Yeah, entirely agree. Before and after the game was fantastic. The 90 minutes on the pitch was awful. Um, let's beat no bones about it. The defending was not good on um, Saturday. We were unlucky. To, no, we weren't unlucky. It was a definite red card to lose Barbet after after five minutes. Um, Kirschbaumer going off was an interesting replacement. Um, I think you could discuss whether it was Kirschbaumer was the right person to take off in those circumstances. Um, it may be that we were asking somebody to play up front who isn't a lone striker uh, needs people operating. I mean, it might have been the case that actually you took Hoffman off and replaced him with Vibe, who would have run himself into the ground yet again for us this season on it but looking back at the um, video as I did the other day all three goals were bad defensive errors by B's players they, they did score four yeah 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 yeah. no 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 but you know um, three th- three of the four goals put it that way were bad defensive errors by, by B's players um, I thought Dean O'Connell and even um, I can't remember which one it was I think somebody ducked out of the way Bidwell ducked out of the way for one of the goals as well um, the, the, the passion showed by the team after we went down worried me here's my confession I didn't go I, I, I broke my 100% Brentford record on, on Saturday um, for two reasons um, Main one, because I've been to Sheffield Wednesday for the documentary three weeks previously, and uh, I thought, oh, God, same journey, Groundhog Day. But predominantly, I'd I'd made a lot of sacrifice to get to 100% this far. You know, you you, you do make a lot of decisions, and I I just couldn't see us getting a result. And I I don't go to see us win, but... I just thought I'm, I'm I'm not looking forward to it, and that decision really was made on transfer deadline day, when we didn't bring any more players in. I thought the season's pretty much over, and um, I, I, I think you know I'm going to enjoy the games I go to, and I will go to the majority of them for the rest of the season. Um, but I, I can't I can't face going to all of them, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to decide which ones I do and which ones I don't go to. Um, and I think a lot of Brentford fans are in the same boat now. So, you know, I know that you had a great day out, but you, we're into we're into tourism mode now. You can have a great day out in any big city in the world, <laughs> or any big city in this country. You know, does football need to be part of that? And and I I just think you know, um, Brentford should have made a bit more of a statement that you know in in the transfer window they should have brought in a, maybe one or two players to make make it that. This, 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 this season isn't a dead duck now uh, yeah I mean as is often the case I don't make it uh, too far north and I didn't make it on Saturday uh, but I did uh, follow it on B's player and I watched it again uh, uh, the highlights extended highlights on B's player and uh, it's difficult to tell because you know once a player goes off after five minutes it's difficult to tell you know uh, that you know the the setup that we had. Some people say it was a Christmas tree formation, four three two one, which could have been the case. I don't know because uh, after five minutes, you know, Barbe went off, and I disagree with um, with Nick. I mean, it might have looked like it live, but clearly on the playback, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, a foul. Um, I think uh, Hooper did the usual thing: straight leg falls down, and uh, you know, Van gets sent off. I mean, the, the ref was miles away. So, uh, but as 
by, by the by, you know, after that, we got absolutely hammered uh, through our own mistakes. I mean, Nick's right there. The defence was, was pretty awful. You think going down to 10 men that you would at least say, OK, let's just shut up shop. Let's do our best to just keep it, keep it light. And if we get a goal on the break, brilliant. If we don't, you know, uh, a nil-nil. But we were just hopeless. Right, and we're going to talk more about sort of kind of the tactics and maybe the way that we play in a little bit. But I'll just sort of quickly come back to Nick. I think you've got one final thing to say on that game, Nick. Yeah, I mean, two points. One of which is uh, any pr- any player, a decent player who is touched in the box as uh, Hooper was, will go down, and, and that's a definite penalty. And uh, Dave, don't feel guilty because actually I made the decision after the Sheffield Wednesday game. Hull, I'm afraid I won't be going to on that oh, Tuesday I night. I don't, I don't feel guilty. <laughs> oh no, that's, that's my that's my that's my lift gone. Oh, cheers. So anyway, listen, that's Sheffield Wednesday. We put it out to the back of the bag. But, you know, Dean Smith was mentioned by Nick in particular. Um, he made a statement, which, to be fair, quite a lot of people did not agree with. Um, Nick made a statement about Dean Smith, which we're going to talk about right now. Dean Smith, Brentford manager, has been manager since December. Hasn't really had that much time to mould his team, to play with the team, to bring players in, take players out to put his stamp on the team. But it's interesting because people are already making sort of comments about Dean Smith, just little, little comments here and there, maybe to be expected because if you're in a person in that position, you know, that's what you expect. But interestingly, Liberal Nick, who's been not so liberal recently, as we say, made a comment on Saturday afternoon, which um, I, I don't want to be misquoted or get the, get the judges or the courts on me, Nick. Could you say exactly what you said on Saturday? I said that the jury is now out on Dean Smith. Uh, he needs to start proving that he is a manager that is engaged in a fight with a team that, if he's not careful, could be in a relegation battle rather than any promotion battle. And that's what he's got to. That he's got to demonstrate that he can manage a team at the bottom of the league as well as he can manage teams at top of the league. That's true. But you also said that you felt that the, when you said the jury was out, you said you weren't sure if he was the man for the job. If I remember rightly, that's exactly. Yeah, that's right. The jury is out. I'm not. I. Uh, Your I, jury. My jury is out. I, I want to see over the next two or three games that he is the man for us. Okay, I mean, the question I will say, and I'm going to put the devil's advocates I try and sit in the middle, is that he hasn't really been given that much time. I mean, he's been in for a couple of months, hasn't he? I mean, Klopp's been in for a few months. Everyone was raving about Klopp. I mean, if Klopp said he's going to come to Brentford, everyone's been brilliant. But, you know, he's been at Liverpool and he hasn't really set the world alight either. So, you know, do you need a little bit more than two months to do the business? I I can see... I'm I'm not an expert on Liverpool, but I think there is a plan of what Klopp has wanted to achieve there. And I think Klopp has won more games at Liverpool than Dean Smith has won with Brentford. Um, and there has to be there has to be a time when you say, look, you know, look, Dean, and look, the directors of football are not, you know, uh, uh, you can't excuse what the directors of football have been up to too on this. There, there comes a time when you have to say, hey, we are in a battle, and if we don't get out of it quick, we are going to be sucked into a real relegation fight, and that's what worries me. Yeah, I, I, I see the, the you know the. the question marks about Dean Smith and people deciding which games to go to are kind of part of the same problem really is you know is that on on transfer deadline day we lost players we, we didn't we didn't bring anyone in at all um, and it really has is drawn the line under the season and you know what we hope we're all hoping that we've got enough points in the bag and what I think we have but you know you, you kind of you, you kind of 
you've kind of like taken one one of his legs away, and he, he, he can only do so much now. He, he, he can't he can't be judged really. I don't think it's fair to judge him because you've got a, you know you've got a, basically a shell of a shell of a team or shell of a squad. You know it's good enough. It's going to be good enough hopefully to keep us up, and it, I'm, I'm sure it will. But you know you, you've got to limit our ambitions for for the rest of the year, and I, I think that's a bit sad to be honest. I, I think we're going to carry on playing good football, but. You know, are we going to be able to create any? You know, are we going to be able to score many goals? And I, I don't think we are. I think it's going to be Groundhog Day for the rest of the season. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to come back in there as well because looking at our um, our next four games, our next four games are, are are Derby, Wolves, Rotherham, and Charlton. Now, in my book, and no pressure here, T, I think all four of those games are winnable. All right, Derby are on a massive slump. Wolves are like, you know, whatever. They're, sometimes they're all right, but sometimes they're not. We also played them off the park a few few months ago. we got Rotherham, who are like probably struggling. They've just got a new manager in again. So will he be OK? Will he not? And then we've got Charlton, who are like absolute... My mate's a Charlton fan. He says they're absolutely appalling. So we've got four games, which on paper are very, very winnable. Now, interestingly, that four run... We look at um, when Lee Carsley came in, when he came in when the back of our team was properly, properly down in the dumps, you know. So he came in, okay, we had a couple of losses. Then we had Rotherham, then Wolves, then Charlton, then QPR. Four wins in a row where we basically came out there and went bang, 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 bang with pretty much the same team. The only difference is, okay, we haven't got, you know, Tombs in the middle. So whether how important really is he to where we are at the moment now? All interesting, we're talking about where's the goals going to come from. In those four winning games, we had Judge scored two goals, Jurisin and Hoffman scored a goal, Charlton of Swift, Judge and Hoffman, keep the other Jurisin. So all those players, they're still part of our squad, they're still there. We had a manager who came there and motivated them and made them do the business from some another manager previously that wasn't. So I think what I'm trying to say is that I think the tools are still there. Uh, we've got the players there. Um, people thought the players weren't there at the beginning of the season, but then Kazi came in, all of a sudden, bing, they were transformed. So I still think the players are there, but we need to kind of show those players and they need to actually kind of move themselves up again. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the next four uh, are winnable and I think this is really, really going to show whether Dean Smith's got it. I think um, what you've also got to consider is that Carsley. Uh, has done exactly the same as every other manager we've had this season and failed to beat any of the top nine. And I think, you know, it, it, show, it shows that, you know, his, his winning streak of four games is the ones that are basically coming up. And I think Dean Smith really has to prove himself now because I've seen some really shit football. And I'm sorry, but I have. And, I mean, at, at Walsall, at, uh, against Burnley in the second half, uh, against Leeds uh, once we got back to 1-1, we just lumped the ball into the box. We just lumped the ball into the box and their defenders just, just nodded it away. It was just pathetic. It's exactly what Brentford don't do. And then, you know, against uh, Brighton and against Sheffield Wednesday, we, didn't even, we weren't even in a position to lump it into the box. We were so poor. So I think he's really got to turn things around. He's got to find a way of playing, which is basically the way Carsey played, the way Brentford played. <clears throat> the way you know, the way uh, Benham wants us to play, and I think it's a good way to play. And he's got to get back to those basics. And if we are slowing down in the midfield, like we did under Dykehouse, and this is going to crucify us because you know we're, we're just going to struggle. You know, we, we have, although let's go back to a couple of games <clears throat> un, un, under Smith where we, we did play particularly well. You know, we did we did play Huddersfield off the park. And we played we we played MK Dons off the park as well, but struggled to score. So, you know, 
I, th- I think we're capable of, 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 of doing that. I mean, you think the only two, the only two players that are, are missing now are, are Taki and, um, and um, uh, Tumani. So, you know, really, you know, we, we should be able to play with that intensity and that, that attacking flair with, 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 you know, without those two players. Um, I, just, I just, you know, my analogy is another motoring one. It's like we've got a V8 engine and someone's pulled a couple of spark plugs out. The six cylinders are going to be all right. You're going to get enough momentum. But, you know, I just expected just a little bit more for the rest of this season. I think we're, I think we're hamstrung and, I, and I, we will survive. But I just, it's going to be, it's just going to be a bit functional now. My problem is consistency. I mean, arguably, our best four results under Dean Smith have been when against teams that are likely to be skirting with Division One next season. Which is fine because that means we survive. I mean, not we've only we weren't in that position two months ago. We were, you know, we were tenth for. And we were looking at sort of playoff places. Now we're not saying we are playoff places because I think we know. We've said this from time that we're still not quite strong enough. We're, we're, and, only, we're still only ten points away from being playoff. So I mean, you know, it's going to take a bloody miracle though. That's the thing. You got you got to win a few games though. We're, oh, yeah. we're, we're not we're not playoffs. My my worry is that you know we lose we lose Derby. Derby get back their form. Rotherham under Warnock will start fighting, fighting, and fighting. And you know you're down to looking at whether we can get a result against Charlton. We need another four, three, four wins to be absolutely sure of safety. At the moment, I wish I could say I could see those three, four wins coming, but they're, I can't. They're, you know. they're, they're, absolutely, they're absolutely there, but you know I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, you can't go. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one. They, they are. You know, there will be a combination of wins and draws, and we will get over the line. But it shouldn't be like this. It's interesting, we've played well, and I think Sav um, talked about it a bit, we've actually played well in patches. So, like, you know, uh, Borough, you know, we were probably unlucky to lose there, so we played well in patches in Borough. You know, Brighton at home, you know, we've done well, didn't get the win. You know, um, against, you know, like I said, other teams we've sort of played well in patches for part of the game, but again, it's a consistency thing where it hasn't necessarily happened over 90 minutes or hasn't happened um, week after week. Um... When Dijkhausen was manager as well, to be fair, we actually played well in patches. You know, Borough away, there's a there's a patch in that game which we played really, really well. You know, Leeds away again, we did that as well. So, again, it goes to show you that the players are there and we can do it if we kind of need to. But I think what is missing and what and why there's a little bit of kind of murmurings going all the way around the terraces, if people are, are, are just getting confused as to kind of what we're about, what we're doing, how we're going to play, what players we're playing with, what style we're playing with, like, you know, and I think that is come from myself and everybody else. I'm not, I'm not a sort of Dean Smith out person, you know, necessarily like, you know, what you're saying. Um, if, if anyone, I'm probably the, probably the last person to always hang on because I always believe that you need to give a manager, if, if somebody pulls them in, you give them a job, you've got to give them a real chance and sometimes it might take them, you know, a year, a year and a half to actually kind of get their feet under the table. Um, you know, I was, I was probably the, one of the last people, if you remember rightly, you were still hanging on to Andy Scott. because oh, I was, you, 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 still, you still want him back, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still going for Andy, I yeah. Am, I am not calling for Dean Smith to go now but what I am saying is that we do need to see a bit of you know a bit of spark a bit of spark from the team led led by the manager and also and we haven't touched on this point about the directors of football you know I mean Dave Dave has hinted at what we did in the transfer window and and where we went from that but you know there is um, you know they they bear some responsibility too 
Yeah, you're spot on. And, and, and what, I, what I said last week was, you know, I, I will show a lot of faith, almost not, not total faith, but I, I, I have got faith in the way our club's being run. But I haven't got blind faith. And we will, if we if we if we see things that aren't being done right or things that should have been done different, we'll we'll, we'll say it, we'll we'll shout it, and and, and I and I will I will say that I, I think mistakes were made in not bringing anyone in or not announcing that we may have signed prenups with players for next season. I think it's gone flat. We can't do prenups. I've been told actually. I, I, I did ask the question, but we cannot do prenups with players. Um, it's, it's legal. It's illegal in the UK. Um, and if we had prenups, we'd probably have after after Division One teams are signed up now. You know, so we can't do prenups with players. You've just got to go and get hold of them. Well, so, I mean, okay. I've 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 seen on on Sky News this week that certain clubs have made signings that come into place for next season. So where's the difference there? Oh, listen, don't don't shoot no, the messenger, no, mate. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not shooting the messenger. But it's just like I think Liverpool have made a sign-in that was been announced on the from what country? Oh, oh yeah, maybe in Europe. Yeah, you know. So again, you know, and the, there's the whole thing about it is that we're talking about the idea of you know bringing the balance of more uh, British-based players as opposed to players. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know. This is you. You're the one that started that argument, though, Nick. You know no, what I'm saying? No, yeah. no, I did not. I have never. I have never said there's a, a British or a continental divide. It does. I never care whether they come from the planet Mars. You know, if they're good enough to Brentford, players for Brentford, they can come from Pluto. But, 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 we have got to have players who are prepared to fight and die for the team. And die? Die? Be harsh. <laughs> that bit. Ha, d- d- I, I use the word die for exaggerated dagger- effect. You know, who are prepared to put their bodies on the line for Brentford. And if we go back to back to Saturday's game, did we see that? Those of us who went okay. to those of us who went to Sheffield, fact, say no. Okay, in, the, in in which case, you know, the communication from the club should be that we can't have prenups. You know, it's not to say we didn't do anything in the transfer window. It, it, it's about managing people's expectations and I, I feel my expectations aren't sky high we've got regarding to signing to the club I know that we can't make signings we can't afford and I know that we you know I know that we can't break the bank and things have got to be done right but I, I feel that it was we're, we're banking on everything going right for us again in the summer and, and the, when the pressure's on we, we should have been building for next season now and there was an opportunity, and we, we, we could have been we could have been sort of blooding some players. I think uh, Phil Giles kind of answered that though, didn't he, in his statement when he's talked about uh, if you try and buy, say, someone from Gillingham who are flying high, that you know they're going to charge loads to get rid of their player that could take them up, you know, quite rightly. You know, we would be in the same position, and I think I think that's fair enough. So it kind of gives you an idea of who we're looking at. And, it, and it's quite interesting because it's the kind of people that people are saying we should be looking at. We should be looking at a Gray who was flying high with Luton in the, the National League. We should be looking at Scott Hogan who was flying high with Rochdale in Division 4. You know, so, so I think what Phil Giles has said, I think it's fair enough. If you buy them now and try and bed them in, you know, it's going to cost you a lot of money. We got people like Tarky and Judge on loan. Uh, you know, in a, in a January transfer window, and that worked out for us. But if they're not there, or we're being charged a million on top of each one, then then I think we're probably right not to. This season's over anyway. 
and, and again, we've talked about this before, so we won't go into it. But you know, we're talking about signing players. We have signed some players as well. Okay, not brand new players, but we've got signed players who've uh, signed new contracts, which are Dean, Harley Dean, uh, Nico, and uh, Sam Saunders. And I know there's been a lot of conversation offline about the signings of these players as well. Nick, <laughs> um, I, I I think we've signed those players with a eye to resale value. Or actually, perhaps I don't think, perhaps I hope we've signed those players for resale value. Um, you know, as you know, I'm Harley Dean's number one fan, but um, by God, we need another centre-back back to uh, show him the way to play. Sam Saunders, absolute loyal servant, but, you know, th- there has to come a time when, when do you, is he a starting player or is he a super sub? Uh, and Nico Unaris, actually Nico's the one player actually I think he's having a decent run I would I would see as a first team contender him and Alan McCormack and those people judging I think Nico Unaris possibly is being played out of position I can see him growing into actually being more of a centre midfield right midfielder I, I quite like Nico but you know are they signings for Brentford or have we signed them with a view to tying up their contracts but again interesting you say that I mean you've got these players Dean, Nico, Saunders I mean there's an argument also to say that you know are they are they going to be part of our squad or are they not if they're not and, and you can sign them sign them so yes you sign them I mean Dean he's played for our team for a while he understands our team he is love him or hate him a leader he says what he feels he rears his heart on his shoulder he's listen a, he's listen a no, no, well, he's not a leader he is not a leader oh, okay well you know you can you listen that we can we can we can beg it to different different on that one but you know whether or not he's a, a a force in the dressing room which gives the vibe which the players like which is important in, inside the team that there, there's obviously reasons for that and removing him from the situation as opposed to having in the scenario they've, they've probably obviously made a decision that having Dean as part of this team is, 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 is very important he was very close to getting the captaincy last summer you know and, and it didn't quite happen for various reasons I mean you never know he might end up becoming captain next summer you know uh, I actually I actually really liked what Dean said on the uh, on the website um, you know when once he just signed up he said that uh, he knows he's still making mistakes He's still young and he's hoping to develop into a much better, more consistent player. And that's great because I always felt that Dean was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a lad, a bit of a, you know, sort of really arrogant and stuff. But he's kind of shown that he understands that he's not the perfect player yet. And I, I like that, you know, and I, I like that attitude. And it's a kind of sign of maturity. And uh, I think that's a, posit- that's a positive sign. Um, I also think that you know, he does play better when he's got a proper left-footed uh, centre-back alongside him. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, as I said, he's young enough. I think he, he can be a championship defender. Uh, I think Nico, Nico, I'm, I'm, I, I think he could be almost anything. He's, he's just a real unknown. To give him a three-year contract, I think he's really, really sort of shown a lot of faith in him. And I, I, kind of, I like that. I like that. And I think he, he, could, he could turn into somebody like Toombs who at the start, you know, we thought he was just average and on occasion pretty poor. And then he turned into a really, really classy player in the Championship. I think Nico has got that possibility in him. I think um, I'm not going to get into the, the pros and cons of each, each of them as, as players. I think, I think they've all proven over the years that they are really solid Brentford players. Um, whether they're players that will take us to the Premiership is, is, a, is another matter. 
Um, I, don't, I think one thing that's more important than all that is stability. I think that they, them signing, or especially Saunders and Dean signing, proves that not everyone just wants to get out of Brentford at all costs. You know, the, the Warburton squad is, you know, is disillusioned and they all just want to bugger off anywhere. Um, they've obviously got improved contracts. I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine they all have, otherwise they would have buggered off. Um, so we, we, are, we are trying to keep players and there are players that want to stay with Brentford and I, and I think that's kind of important so maybe the bubble hasn't all burst and I, I think you know that they, they are capable of being really good servants I mean coming back to this Dean Smith is Dean Smith needs players it, what happens is that he hasn't really brought anyone in what everyone might say and we talked about this before about this whole stats business Forget that. Dean Smith has got a say, and he hasn't had, he hasn't brought his players in, right? Like I said to you, he's had players who wanted to leave, Tarky, all this, that, this other. He's got a situation now where he can actually build a team around players who want him, right? Obviously, Carly Dean, Nico, and Saunders want to play for him. Love him or hate him, they want to play for him. Brentford, we need players who want to play for us. If you don't want to play for us, you can go off and go somewhere else, as far as I'm concerned, because we'll have to just find somebody else who wants to play for us. Nico, I agree with Sav as well. We talked about this before. Um, I think that he may be a, not a pet, but um, um, Dean Smith sees him as a player who he can mould in the same way Toombs is moulded by Warbs. And I think with Nico, he said, look, I think potentially you're a really great player, but no one's actually spent any time with you to try and make you a great player. I'm going to make you a great player. I'm going to give you a three-year contract. You play for me. You're my boy. So all of a sudden, it's like I think that he's going to go out there and he's going to play like a Brentford player as well. Saunders just a loyal servant and he's in there. Good in and around the changing room. will come and will do what you want to. He won't argue. He won't moan, which is all good. It's going to be all about the summer now because Dean Smith needs to build his team, Brentford players and his team in there. And it's, 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 he's going to do or die by that. But it's very important. And he's obviously got to work with the directors of football to make sure that he gets the right players in. He'll tell them what he wants. They'll suggest players to him. He might say yay or nay and then they'll sort it out amongst themselves. I don't care how they do it as long as they get the right players in. Yeah, and I think we'll all give them the freedom and, and, and the, you know, the, the ability to do that. But... It's a, I tell you what, it's a massive summer. If they don't get it right this summer and, and, the, and the start of the season is as awful as this one, I think there will be some serious questions raised. I, my final word on the subject is I'm glad you mentioned all three. It's Dean Smith and it's the two directors of football. Today there's been a bit of a furore. FC Michelin, the Danish team, play Man United. And Man United fans plan to protest at the extortionate £71 ticket price. As FC Michelin are owned by Brentford owner Matthew Benham and also Cliff Crown, who's Brentford chairman, and Nitty Raj, who's one of the directors that are on the board, and also Rasmus Ankerson is FC Michelin's chairman. It all gets confusing, doesn't it? But basically there's a big Brentford-Michelin thing going on. But there's a natural link between Brentford and Michelin. So we thought... To clear this up a little bit, we're going to speak to Cliff Crown as to whether Brentford can expect £71 tickets in the near future if we play Man United. We've got Brentford chair Cliff Crown on the line. He's about to fly off to Michelin actually for their big game against Man United tomorrow. Cliff, how are you doing? I'm, I'm good, thanks, Billy. I'm just at London City waiting for my flight. I hear that, Cliff. And, you know, you're getting away from the UK because there's a little bit of a storm that brewed up over the £71 ticket, probably over the back of the, the whole Liverpool £77 ticket, uh, which they tried to charge and then they backed down on. I mean, Michelin have charged Man United £71 for the ticket. Could you explain why this has happened? Um, I'll give it a good shot, 
Billy. Um, <laughs> although I'm a director of the club, I'm not involved on a day-to-day basis. So I wasn't involved in the decision as to what to charge uh, the Danish supporters and by definition, therefore, the Man United supporters. Bear in mind, we can only house about, I think, 600 or so of them in the ground because we've got reduced capacity uh, because of UEFA requirements. Um, What I can say is that season ticket holders will be charged one price and the, for want of a better expression, the Prawn Sandwich Brigade are charged another. And uh, that's a philosophy that we, we feel very strongly about, that actually the real fans should be paying a, a fair price. But those uh, fans who come as and when they choose and want to come to a really big game, um, then it's only fair that we, we, we charge them an appropriate price accordingly. Okay, and I understand that as well, because I've been chatting to a few Michelin fans, because I, I actually saw Michelin play a few, few months ago, enjoyed the experience, really, really friendly, enjoyed the yeah. self, even though they did loads, unfortunately, and uh, yeah, and we're going to talk about that a bit later on our podcast as well, but the, the Michelin fans, speak quite honestly, didn't seem to be too fussed about the prices, which is maybe a difference in culture between the UK and, uh, and, and, and Scandinavia. But just coming on to, because I think that, you know, it's all a bit of a slight red herring as well because we're talking about Scandinavian prices and the yeah. UK prices. And I think what is probably more worrying for Brentford fans is they're, they're thinking to themselves, hold on a second, if, uh, if a director of Brentford who's also a de- director of a Scandinavian club is in charge of uh, charging a club £71, if a big team comes and plays inverted commas their cup final, will it be the same if Brentford forever got Man United next year in the FA Cup list? Sure. Well, that, that's jumping to conclusions. Um, and we've already got the experience of Chelsea coming to Griffin Park only two or three years ago. So I, I think the, the real fans know that that would not be the case. And remember, who are we concerned most about? In Mitchelland, we're concerned mostly about the home fans. So if there was uproar in uh, Jutland about the prices, then that would cause some elements of concern. But frankly, if there are Man United fans, a few hundred who don't like it, the reality is they have to understand we're not a Man United with 350 or 400 million pounds worth of annual turnover. We're a very small club in a a smaller country that uh, is enjoying our moment in the sun. And why shouldn't we take advantage of that to, uh, to those who just want to come along and be part of what is a huge game, if not the biggest game in the club's history. Okay, I mean, and I, I understand that point as well, Cliff. One, one question I would ask, though, is that in the tit-for-tat theory, if, if one club says, well, you charged us £71, you know, then they could do the same thing to you if they wanted to, and the only person that really gets hit are the fans, though, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Um, we already know the price of the tickets at up at Manchester United, and there is a perfect example of supply and demand. So we've sold out and could have sold out probably three or four times over at that price point in uh, earning for the game tomorrow night. Manchester United have closed half of Old Trafford uh, at a much lower price point because they can't sell the tickets. Because to Manchester United, playing FC Michelin, with all due respect to us, is not a big game. But for Michelin, playing Manchester United, one of the greatest clubs in the history of football, 
It is absolutely massive. And just because this is something that's happening at, at Michelin does not mean that it automatically happens at Brentford. And the Brentford fans should know that. Okay, cool. Cliff? And just interesting because, um, and just finally, Cliff, we're just talking about because Brentford, Michelin, they're, they're sort of sister clubs, but, but they're not really. I mean, basically, they're owned by the same owner, but I know Matt has kept it very, very, very specific that the two clubs won't cross. Yeah, maybe they might sort of kind of share information and so on and so forth, but they're two very, very separate clubs. But again, one of the things that we were talking about, we were thinking, hold on a second, Michelin, they've done all right. You know, they've won the league after almost going bust a few years ago. They, you know, they were in the Champions League. Okay, they went out of the Champions League, but the Europa League, very high profile, got some very good players, played some good football, very well respected. Is there any possibility that actually Brentford and Michelin might actually work a little bit closer together. Say, for example, we, we get players from Chelsea, you know, we get, you know, Pritchard from Tottenham, we make it more big, then he goes back to Tottenham and they put him to West Brom, which you know, does us all right for a season, but doesn't do us in the big term. And maybe, looking at Michelin players, if they're half decent, it may actually be better for us in the long term if there's a, if there's a closer relationship. I don't know. We shall benefit both of us. But... Sure. I mean, it makes perfect sense that's being owned by the same owner with um, similar ideas, that we would want to work closer together. And opportunities have already arisen. Um, so one example is uh, Michelin held their first ever fans forum uh, a month or so ago. Um, and that was um, as a result of our recommendation that they have something like that. They've never had it before. They're gonna have an end of season players awards dinner like we have at Brentford every year. Never had it before. Uh, yeah. We're looking at, their, they've got a new website. Maybe that the designers of that website may be able to design something similar for Brentford if it's suitable for us. There's, there's, there's areas where we can work together both on the football side and on the business side. And why shouldn't we do it? But we'll never do that if it is uh, to the detriment of either club. But if either club or both clubs can benefit why wouldn't we do it? And we will. Okay, wicked. Cheers, Cliff. Listen, I know you've got a flight to catch. I'm not going to keep you much longer. So, please, I'll be good luck to you, Michelin, and all the people out there. I hope you have a good night and uh, have a few beers on us, yeah? Will do. Look forward to Saturday's game against Derby. Okay, we should dump them fingers crossed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> nice all one. All right. Cheers. So there we have it. Cliff Crown has told us exactly his thoughts on FC Michelin, ticket prices, Brentford and the future. Um, as you can hear, his thoughts are for the fans. The fans aren't going to get rinsed. They'll try and keep the, the price of the, the true fans lower. Anybody else who isn't a true fan gets, gets rinsed. And that's just the way it is. They talked about the old supply and demand, which is used a lot in football. Basically, if you've got high demand, then you can try higher prices. If there isn't so much demand, the prices are lower. Um, and then we talked about the future of Brentford as well. I mean, just coming back to this, guys, your thoughts on this. this is, uh, for me, this is a bit of a strange one. First of all, I'm going to point out and say, I mean, I've seen Michelin play. I didn't get the Southampton game, but I actually saw them play in Denmark, as you do. But that's because I actually like watching football. I'll go and watch I've been football. I've seen football on five, six, five continents around the world, at least. You know, Asia, South America, everywhere. I'll just go anywhere to watch football. I don't care. And the reason why I like certain teams... Those that support them is that I like the supporters who support them as well. People have got respect. I went to Michelin, they paid me respect. They came, they gave my son a scarf. We sent and watched the game. They spent time out, gave us, gave us beers, took us about the place, gave us a tour. They were lovely people, really nice people. They sorted us out. 
and I like those, you know, I like that. But the same way, went to Marseille last week, enjoyed it down there. People had respect, manners, you know, wherever I go, I've been to Japan, I've seen it. You are a Reds player in Japan. I just like football and I think people are respect. So this is nothing to do with a, oh, Michelin have got something to do with Brentford. I went to see them play. I know some of their fans and I wish them well and I hope they do very well, Man United. But coming back to the point here, I think this is a bit of a strange one because we've got this, a foreign team who are charging English fans £71. As I said, it's, if, the, if the owner of Michelin was, you know, Torbius Sinekson and it was a Turkish team that was going over there, no one would have thought anything of it. But because we've had the Liverpool protest recently, which I think is important, it kind of resonates with us as well and also for Brentford fans because it is a team that is linked to Brentford we think hold on a second is it going to be the same thing that we do here um, there's a, a light for light situation also because and I'm, also, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's right at all we've got a history of protest and the way that things should be done I sort of got onto my Michelin mates going oh no this is out of order isn't it and they all went actually this is not too bad we're, we're very happy I said but it's £71 they said we think it's okay, and for us, it's not too bad. We're only paying forty pounds. Forty pounds? You're joking? Yes, we think it's quite good. We're happy. We would have even played sixty pounds. So there's kind of a different kind of mentality um, and, and cultural thing going on in different countries. So it's almost like you can't do like for like. And I think that in the UK, because we're used to protesting, and like in Germany, they say things can't happen in such a way. Clubs wouldn't necessarily do that in the UK, but if they think they can get away with it in, say, Scandinavia, they will do. Well, there's, there's three things going on here, to be honest with you. There's the, the, the press have gone into ticket price fe- frenzy now. You, know, you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't buy a story in the papers about ticket price travesties six weeks ago, but now e- everyone's going crazy. Um, is 70 quid as much money for a ticket in Denmark as it 70 quid is in this country? Well, if you, you, is, it, is it the 10 pints of beer test? So, so 10 pints of £4 beer is 40 quid and 10 pints of £7 beer in Denmark, 70 quid. So it's probably proportionate. They probably earn a lot more average than we do. It's not to say it's right. Um, and the other, the other, the third thing that's it going is on. A price hike, though, the, yeah, no, yeah, it is. I mean, I'm never, never justify that. You know what, you know what my, my feelings are on ticket prices. But the, the third thing is as well. It's the old, um, the toxic Mitterland word. You know, um, they are, they are inextricably linked with our football club. Um, whether we like it or not, we don't necessarily need or want their team parading around our pitch. But you, there are blurred cross lines between. Um, the owner and the managerial side of our club, um, and that's we, you know that's out of our control. We, 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 they've bought into two clubs, um, and that's the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future. And we've just got to make that that um, that relationship work best for, for our football club. You know, are there players there that could be paraded in the championship? Can, can, could we benefit more from this situation? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure of ex, you know, exactly who's responsible for what, it, it, down to the crossing the T's and dotting the I's at, at both clubs. But there are you know, executives and, ma- and, and managerial directorships at both clubs, and we've just got to make the relationship work best for Brentford. And maybe we need to look at trying a few more things. I mean, listening to Cliff Crown there, I mean, one thing stood out to me is that, that the use of the term supply and demand. Uh, supply and demand doesn't make sense when you're talking about football fans because 
it's you know the it's the same fans. It's the 600 Man United fans are Man United fans. They can't pick and choose the team they support like you can with a with a sort of washing powder. So you know the supply and demand doesn't work. Those 600 fans for Man United are being rinsed to follow the washing machine <laughs> analogy again. But but you know it, it's 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 a really poor argument. And the, the whole point of you know the uh, FSF and other people's arguments is that. You know, we, the supply and demand doesn't work. It's not normal capitalist term, terms. So, you know, football fans are fans, they're aligned to their club. And, you know, if it happened to us, we would be outraged. Yes, he says that it didn't happen to us when we played Chelsea, but there was a price hike. And by the same token, when we, when we went to Chelsea for the replay, there was a price drop because, you know, because they've got a much bigger ground and they had to fill it. And they knew that the Chelsea fans aren't going to be drawn in by Brentford. So it's weird, and this is going to happen when when uh, Michelin go to to Old Trafford as well. The prices are going to drop dramatically. Well, again, again, it's that, there's that old balance up as well. There's a PR factor, and obviously we talked about this a lot last week. So we're not going to go massively into the ticket thing, but it's like with Liverpool, there was a very massive negative PR thing, and they didn't want that negative PR, so immediately they dropped the ticket hike thing because there's a balance up between you getting the money in and also what PR and the damage it can do to your brand as well. And if you've got your customers who are basically saying, tell you what, I'll pay it, but I'm not happy, I'm not happy at all, and your brand gets damaged over a period of time, you've got to take that balance as to what, how you're going to deal with that situation. I think with FCM, obviously they've turned around and said, I'm not being funny, we've never seen Man United here and we'll never see them again for a very long time, so we're just quite happy to take their money for now. Confession time, I went to see uh, Southampton versus Michelander. I thought Michelin were really good bunch of supporters they played you know they had a really good time they enjoyed themselves in Southampton and we scored and I think we were charged £25 if I remember rightly for going in the away end and I noticed that Man United are charging the Michelin supporters £37 I think the easiest way to avoid all this argument is that what is that both clubs should have agreed the standard price. £37 sounds about right to me for watching FC Midland versus Manchester United in the last 32 of the Europa League. And you can't object to that. £71, I'm afraid to say, I think is a rip-off. And also, I'm slightly disappointed in that um, Cliff Crown should say on the radio this morning that it's our cup final. Now, that's, you know, that to me, if I were a supporter of Michelin, I would start to worry that, you know, take I mean, I'm not being funny. I mean, you know, I'm not defending anyone, but it really is their cup final, (laughs) surely. I mean, surely, I mean, you know, they they are... it's a, it's a fairy tale for them. They've won the Danish league. They've got they've got through they've got through the, the qualifying stages of the Europa League, and they're playing Man United in in the qualifi- in, in the latter stages of a European trophy. For, missed, for God's sake, mate! No, no, no! You missed my point. I think they could quite easily beat Man United over the two legs. I can see them beating Man United. But it's still, it's still next, a cup final, though. Ne- no, well, no, yeah, no, no, no I don't. The, the next, <laughs> their next cup final will be probably when they beat Tottenham in the next round. You know. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear that. So I mean, it's, it's again interesting, and we thought we'd bring this we'd bring this to the fore only because it's got a Brentford link there as well. And 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 and, and like I said, the question as to whether or not we would should benefit from being linked with Michelin because we are linked with them, but we're not really linked with them because at the end of the day, I think that for Brentford fans, they we only want to be better. We only want to do better. The one thing, like I said, that looks at me is that you know we got in Pritchard, lovely, great player, and then we. we 
got his profile up and then he went off to West Brom and you're never going to see him again. Okay, you know, he, he did very great things for us last season, but, you know, the long-term benefit isn't kind of there. Um, now, is there a benefit that we can have with working closer with Michelin if we're going to be working with them so that actually Brentford as a team and supporters actually get a benefit? And I think that's the big question for Matt and the team because I know that he's so trying to keep the two apart but there's all these little things that just keep on linking us. Yeah, I, I don't think we can have topics of conversation that are like taboo. I think we've just got to, you know, we've just got to, you know, yeah, we, all we ever want is what's, what's best for Brentford Football Club. We don't really particularly care two hoots about FC Nitterland and, and how they get on. You know, if they, get, they lost 6 0 on 6, 6, 6 tomorrow night, I'm, I'm not going to bat an eyelid. But, you know, if we, if we are, you know, in, in terms, in bed with them and, and we are, we are, we are in a partnership then we've just got to make sure it, we, we get out of it what, what is best for our football club and if there's, if there's ways of you know of structuring the, the, the relationship that it benefits us in, better they're, they're play, obviously clearly playing at a very good standard and the experiences of them playing in Europe are obviously going to improve their players if those players then want to come to play for Brentford in the championship and be in the premiership shop, shop window um, then let, let's let's look at it. Let's, let's let's not think. Oh, we're only Brentford. I don't give a monkey's about them. Anywhere, anyone that wears an FC Midland badge is going to get a punch. You know that, that's that's <laughs> not, that's not that's not that's not a mature way of looking at it. You know, okay, maybe if there was no relationship there, that might be a little bit more straightforward. But there is one, so let's make it best for Brentford. You're being slightly condescending there, Dave, because, I mean, Michelin are doing well in the Europa League. Maybe, maybe there are some Brentford players who could do with playing a bit of time in the Danish League to improve their skills and to improve their knowledge of of football played in a different way and in a different style. I'd say the Championship is probably the most competitive league in the world, um, and I I, I don't think playing in Denmark is is, is of of a... bigger magnitude than playing in the Championship in England. I, I, it can't be. It's, uh, it's definitely, Championship, I agree, is the most competitive. Whether it is the best footballing league in the world is a difference. Uh, and there could be some players who could, you know, have a decent run out in a Danish team that, that plays quite attractive football as well. Um, and, you know, could come back to Brentford having improved their skills, having having learnt something about, you know, a different style of play and different tactics. And they're playing, they are playing a higher, they are playing a higher scale of I'm football not, than I'm, we are. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not denigrating them at all. I'm not knocking them in any way, shape or form. All I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I think the Championship is a, of a, is a stronger league than the Danish League One team. But they've done amazingly to win that league and to get this far in, in the Europa League is nothing short of a miracle and I wish them all the best um, I won't be going to watch them um, but it's not to say that I don't wish Leicester every, 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 every best, best bit of luck in winning the, in, in the Premier League you, it's, these stories are good stories and you, and you want these teams to do well I genuinely don't know what standard they are actually at I mean we've sent O'Shaughnessy out there on loan I'm sure there's stats yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they've asked that. But I, I spoke I spoke to my Danish friend again, FCM guy, and he says I don't know much about Saunasi, but he's he's been brought over because they're a bit short. He won't make the first team, so I think he's probably gone out there 
learning. He's probably, maybe he's a forward-thinking player as opposed to maybe Montel Moore, who he thought, you go over there and you can learn from these guys because they've got a different way, but he went out there and it's a complete waste of time. But maybe O'Shaughnessy is one of these players, but they think, if you go out there, not be funny, you're a Finnish international, you go out there for six months or a year, you might learn something and you might actually force yourself into the first team because maybe he's, he's, he's forward-thinking like that and because and he, he knows that he's not going to get in the first team here as yet, but maybe that move might actually push him close to it. Well, I, th- I think that's fair enough because he seems to be not considered for us at all. Uh, I think he's played in the development squad, and uh, but you never never seems to, to hear about him at all. He's always seems to be on loan somewhere. And uh, yeah, I mean, if we we still fancy him, we still think he's a good player, and uh, we're trying to develop him. That's great because I think that's what Brentford have to do. We have to develop our players, and if that link with um, with Michelin works that way, that's fine. If it works the other way, that's good as well. Interesting, and I'm sure this debate will go on and on. I mean, so Michelin play Man United tomorrow. Loads of money they're playing, but Man United supporters will go out there. They'll have a laugh anyway. It's a, it's a one-off experience. Um, Denmark's a great place, and uh, me personally, I hope Michelin win. For my mates out there who I met, who gave me a great time. A little story that may or may not have been on your radar just before Christmas was of a wheelie bin protest that took place in Braemar Road. Steve Callan, leader of Hounslow Council, um, took umbrage to the community's wheelie bin protest. A load of residents put wheelie bins outside his house to, uh, to just complain about um, the Im- implementation of wheelie bin policy by the council. Um, one fan, or sorry, one resident was singled out and arrested. Um, he happened to be a Brentford fan and a good friend of Besotted, Paul Slattery. We went down to Chiswick Town Hall a little bit earlier today. We had a chat with a few of the residents who turned up to support him. Spoke to Slats as well. Um, and this is the coup. Uh, we're outside Chiswick Town Hall um, for the Paul Slattery's innocent demo. Um, got, got a few people here, a few local residents and, uh, and a few people that were there or know, know what, what happened on, on the evening. Um, can I just ask you a couple of questions? Um, does, does this seem to you like it's just a, a huge um, sense of humour failure on, on, the, on the part of the councillor? What I'd say is it's more of a lack of compassion, it's a distancing himself from the public and I think it's a power thing is a large part of the problem and I think councillors have to expect a certain amount of dealing with the public, whether that's positive or negative and I think that the experience we've had with Steve Cohen is that when he experiences negative comments or negative attitudes he he gets very bullish about it or very arrogant and patronises people rather than engaging with them and listening to their concerns. It seems to us like a personal vindictiveness because uh, Steve Cohen didn't make complaint about any of the other residents. It's just I know that he's deliberately singled out Paul and the police also didn't investigate the issue before they're making the arrest. So nobody was questioned. It's just that Steve Cohen just clicks his fingers, like you say, you know, um, like a police state almost. Paul gets arrested and the police didn't make any, any inquiries whatsoever first. So that's why it also seems to be... Um, you know, not a democratic situation. I heard a knock on the door and there was two police officers there and I said, oh, come in. And they said, oh, no, we've come to arrest you. I was incredulous. I couldn't believe it. I said, what are you going to arrest me on? Charges of harassment have been brought to you by Steve Curran, the leader of the council. I just couldn't believe it. Then one of them handcuffed me in a very awkward position as well. I just couldn't believe they could be so nasty to me. So th- three months later and as well, they've still, they've still confiscated your phone without any good reason. 
They've still got my phone. They're still trying to examine my phone to see if there's any evidence on it. But quite frankly, I don't know what... Uh, there, there's probably nothing on that phone that's going to incriminate me with anything. This, this does seem ridiculous. And, you know, the other, the other you know, Brentford-related topic to this is he's had, you, uh, he's had you excluded from being able to go down Bremer Road, which is where your season ticket is. Yeah, well, I tell you what, it's unbelievable that can, this can happen in 2015. It sounds really, quite frankly, like... More like Nazi Germany. You've come out here on a very, very wet, rainy February day. Um, do you think it's uh, important that uh, the, the council and the councillor in particular just sees that the residents aren't going to just forget this and um, just let, him get, let it get steamrolled? Absolutely, it is really important because, you know, poor old Paul's sitting here waiting to see what happened. He's in limbo for God knows how long. It's already been three months for what was you know, a, a small little protest against something that was very special to the people in the neighbourhood. And basically, and which, yeah, as you said earlier, if he had a bit of a sense of humour, he could have diffused the situation very, very easily. So it is important that we carry on um, making him aware that there, you know, we, we won't stand for it. It's not really fair at all. Now, playing devil's advocate, it isn't ever nice to have a protest taken to your front door. But in... Looking, looking at what the protest was and how much humour there clearly was in that, do you just think that you know the charges should be dropped and everyone should just be left to get on with their lives now? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it was a very small-scale protest uh, about an issue that was important to people and it's gone on far, far too long. And, you know, common sense should prevail. Just get on, try and create some neighbourliness, try and create some good vibes in the area rather than trying to cause confrontation all the time. Uh, and it is about time those, those charges are dropped. I'm sure the police... In this day and age, you've got a lot of better things to do on the streets of London. There might be Brentford fans listening to this now thinking, what's this got to do with Brentford Football Club? Um, it hasn't got anything to do with Brentford Football Club, apart from the fact that Paul Slattery is a very, very good friend of the fanzine. He's been a good friend of the fanzine since day one. And besides, sticks up for their mates. And we will, we will do all we can for Paul Slattery. So um, do what you can as well to get behind the the hashtag wheelie bin one um and let's let's fight for getting these ridiculous charges dropped and uh the sense of humor failure from uh, an elected councillor um needs to be addressed so uh get a grip steve curran and uh do the decent thing otherwise um, hopefully this will come back to bite you so derby on saturday derby are in free fall we have no idea what's going on in derby so let's talk to somebody who does the man with the big flag behind in the South Stand Derby, good friend of mine, Nick, the DCFC flagman. We'll hear what he's got to say right now. So, got the game on Saturday. Derby County are coming to town. Last time Derby County came to Griffin Park, they were going to have a promotion party because they thought they were going up, but things didn't quite go according to plan. So a year and a little bit later, Derby are down again. And things once again aren't going quite according to plan. we got Nick, the DCFC flagman, on the line to tell us exactly what's going down in Pride Park. Nick, how you doing? Good day, Billy. How you doing, all right? I'm not bad, mate. I'm not bad. We're a bit up and down ourselves, and I think you're a bit up and down at the moment now, aren't you? What's going um, down? I don't know if we can say all. We just seem to be going down, 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 don't we? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Obviously, you know, obviously we've lost our manager. Uh, we haven't won since Boxing Day. Um, the football's not exactly the best at the minute. Uh, we seem to be, <laughs> again, like we were this time last year, in a bit of a pickle at the minute, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a pickle. I mean, we played you in October, and admittedly, we just lost our manager. We had our caretaker manager, Lee Carsley, come on board. It was his first match, and he 
hadn't quite got his plans into place and uh, we were absolutely hammered by you 3-0. We looked at you, we thought, God, these lot, they're going up because you looked like you were firing on all cylinders. You know, you were scoring goals, you looked confident and looked like you were cruising to the Premier League. But it's all just turned on its head. How could it go so wrong in such a short space of time? I don't know. I'll be a very uh, welcome man in Derby if I knew the answer to that. I honestly don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, we, we played Forest. Uh, we lost. Uh, and then we went on a really, really good win. Uh, run even, sorry. Um, we went to Hull, uh, you know, on the Friday night, the top of the league. And it's, it's I don't know, it's just, it's just kind of like gone downhill. We went to Borough, we lost at Borough. Um, we didn't get anything at Fulham. Oh, we got a point at Fulham. We lost 3 0 to Birmingham. We lost 3-0 to Birmingham. We got spanked 3 0 at yeah. home to Birmingham. We lost to MK Dons, you know, um, at the weekend. Yeah. Um, we, I say we, haven't, we haven't won since Boxing Day. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, we, I mean, a lot of our team play is very much done on confidence, and the lads, you can see it, are looking really, really low on confidence at the minute. Um, and yeah. I, I think that's having an effect. Yeah, I mean, it is a confidence thing. I mean, as you know, I mean, me and, me and Lainey came up to. To meet you guys as you went across the uh, A52 across to, to, to Forest for that game. And uh, yeah, we had a great day out with you, I, I have to say. Friday night, we came up to you in the afternoon, had a good treat and went to Forest. And, <laughs> I mean, you, you lost that game 1-0, but it was a kind of a little bit against the run of play. I mean, you played some great football that day. Um, Forest won that game. But after that, like you said, you went on a great run and you, you, know, you, you were doing pretty well after that. Um, and your losses seem to be, you know, 2016 losses, you know, 4-1 losing to Burnley, you know, you said 2-0 to Borough. Um, it, it almost seems to be sort of after your turkey had been eaten, you guys have just seemed to just, you know, not be able to handle it at all. Um, yeah. It, 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 interesting, you talk about Clement. I mean, Clement, your manager, and we're interested to know because he was actually on the, the Brentford radar in the summer. Not saying that we were definitely going to get him because he was definitely going to Derby, but he was on the radar. And, uh, you know, he's one of the managers that was being touted around. Whether or not he came and spoke to Brentford or not, that is a question that has to be, uh, you know, to, to be asked. But, you know, he went to you from Real Madrid and, you know, he looked like he was start, you know, starting off to do some good things. I mean, what, why wasn't he right for you? Or, or, or do you not agree with the second? Um, it's a bit of a difficult one. Uh, I mean, we hadn't won in seven, and then he went. Um, I think he came, and it was. I think we were kind of moulding the Spanish kind of way, you know, patient build up, and then we go. Uh, you know, obviously we had a slow start to the season, and we had, obviously we were doing okay, and then we dipped. Um, the chairman obviously wanted a change. Um, you may have heard the Derby way. We we're quite unsure as to exactly what the Derby way is. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you, I don't know. I mean. The whole the, the Clement sacking came as a shock. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there's reasons beyond football. I, I don't know, but it came a bit of a shock to everyone. The footballing world, um, even yeah. to the fans of Derby, we just were not expecting it. I don't know. It came out of the blue. We hadn't won in seven. Is it a rash sacking? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But, you know, it was the slow build-up. You know, in terms of wanting to attack in football, you look at the players that we've got, and I think that the only way I can put my finger on it at this minute is to say that I feel that we've got too many um, quality players and we just don't we don't know our best eleven. You know, yeah. our, our, our under twenty ones played last night. We had Blackman and uh, and Darren Bent playing. Well, oh, okay. they probably they probably getting any <laughs> any league side you know in this league, wouldn't they? Let's be honest. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's quite madness. Actually, it's, it seems quite similar to the Brentford scenario because obviously at the same time we got Clement, we got our manager Marinus Dykehouse and didn't quite work out for us for various reasons. When they got him on board, again, similar, they found the training wasn't quite expected. It was a low tempo as opposed to high tempo. And also the way that we played our football, it was that slow tactical build-up play, which isn't the Brentford yeah. way as such. Um, the statement didn't go out from Brentford saying this isn't quite the Brentford way. He just got sacked and we just said it just didn't quite work out. But the fact is that he actually didn't play the way that we played our football and we decided we needed to go back to basics, which is similar to the style that we played against Warburton where we you know, play free-flowing, attacking football, yeah. high-pressing, passing game. So interestingly, Carsley took over against the Derby game uh, against you guys early in the season, who was our caretaker manager. And it seems like you've got a similar scenario where you've got Wassall. Is it Westall taken over? And he's similar yeah. to our Carsley. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with Wasp, I mean, he, he's been in the club quite a while now. He used to play for us uh, back in the day, you know, the Nantes and whatnot. He is uh, very rated within the academy. Um, I think, I can only presume that they are keeping him there to keep somebody that knows the club, probably a bit like our Carsley was with you guys. Um, and, you know, the, ch- the chairman said that he's going to get him to the end of the season to prove. Um, and he knows the players. He's, you know, he's been around all the players all these years. Um, so I, I can only guess that it's a familiar face that we want at the club as opposed to getting somebody in, um, you know, for these last games. We thought, you know, we'll obviously a turning point, I think we'll be rosy, wouldn't it, if we'd beaten them k on Saturday. We didn't. So the pressure's starting to build. And obviously, if we don't get a result against you guys, then it's, it's going to be a question of, well, you know, let's get somebody in now because we're about eight, nine points off. You, you've yeah. seen the table. We still, we may have dropped as much as we have, but... We've still got a chance. We've still got Hall to come to down here. We've still got um, we've still got to go to Brighton. We've got Chef Wednesday to come down here. So you know the season's still there. We, you know yeah. if we go all of a sudden on a ten-game win, which is possible, we've done it before. Then you know who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, but it's interesting because your owner or your chairman said you know uh, promotion this season wasn't the primary target. Now I'm sure this is something that the supporters didn't want to hear. And also we discussed even last season and we got this from very 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 good source that you know. You're spending a lot of money. I mean, you've got Int and Bent. And from what I can gather from this very, very good source, their combined wage is £75,000 a week, right? Now, I mean, we're competing against things like that. Now, if you've got players, two players on seventy-five grand a week, you've got to be going for promotion, surely. Well, um, I, I think it's a bit of a mind game, personally, myself. Um, <laughs> of course, he he's a Derby fan, first and foremost. So he's going to want promotion. I can only presume that... As I said to you, about the confidence that he is trying to lay a bit of pressure off the players uh, by saying that, and that probably includes Wassel as well. Um, yeah. That's the only reason that I can think about it. Of course, he wants promotion. He's a Derby fan, you know, and he's ploughed so much money into this club that he will want it. And I'm sure that the close people around him uh, will know what he really wants. But yeah, I mean, it depends how much you read into it uh, as to whether you think he wants promotion or not. I, I personally think he does. Um, you know, I, I think it's just a case of he's just trying to put the pressure off the uh, the players and the, and the management to, to go out there and, look, you know, don't worry about it, just go and do what you do best and, and, and you'll go for it. OK, so big game on Saturday. You come in at the Griffin Park. You sold out your allocation yet again. Um, obviously, we're in a bit of a strange scenario, you know, from <coughs> Carsley, who decided he didn't want the job, so Dean Smith has come in. Dean Smith has had a bit of a so-so record with Brentford, it has to be said. You know, we've lost quite a few games by a lot. You know, Burnley, we lost 3-1. You know, we lost uh, against Brighton 3-0. Um, you know, we've, you know but we've won a couple of games up at Preston and stuff. So it's a bit so-so. So we've got you guys coming down. But for me, I'm thinking you're there for the taking because you're on the way down. Oh, yeah, without that. Without that. So what do you reckon on Saturday? 
I feel if you get the first goal, we will just collapse. Um, you know, I, if you're a betting man, you'd go with Brentford. You'd have to because we haven't won since Boxing Day. So, you know, you, you're probably talking, uh, I don't know, a 2-3-1 maybe uh, yeah. in favour of you guys. But that being said, if we get the first goal, who knows? I, I just think it's a confidence thing. You guys are low, we're low. Maybe that first goal is the crucial one. Um, okay. we'll, we'll, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's right. difficult to predict this one. Yeah, it is a difficult one to predict. I mean, I'm going to go 2-0 to the beast. We need to get our mojo back. We need to get back on the road. And we've got nothing to lose, really, at the moment now. So it'll be interesting. But listen, you guys are all going to be coming down to the game. We're going to meet you before the before the game. Have a few beers yes. before end. You're we more than welcome, course, as you yeah. know. Brentford, very friendly place, you know, uh, as long as you give us three points, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so it's all we'll good, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's right, mate. But listen, we've got the Nick, the DCFC flag, man. You're not going to be bringing your flag down because uh, it's far too big to bring on the train. But um, good, good set of lads and lasses. Like I said, you know, check check them out, and we'll see you before the match on Saturday for a couple of beers. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it, mate. So Derby, Nick, the flag man, despondent, has got no idea what's going on. Says we're going to win three nil, three one even. Um, he's 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 just got no idea. He, he I mean he was buzzing when I saw him. I went to the the Forest Derby match with him a few months ago, and they were all buzzing. They still lost, but they were still buzzing because they were there top of the league. But now they just, they can't see where the next win is coming from. This is a prime time for us to be playing Derby. And for me, if we don't get three points on Saturday, something is seriously, seriously, seriously wrong. Uh, Nick, the non-flag man, um, is probably as despondent at the moment as the Derby man. Um, I wish I could see us getting a result out of this, but I think Derby, I know, have been in free fall. They're coming up against a Brentford team that is pretty much in a free fall as well. I am going to predict a 2-1 victory for Derby, and that shows how loyal I am. Um, let's not kid ourselves. Derby have had a really awful run. They are still a very threatening team. Um, I've seen them a couple of times this season and I've been impressed. They don't become an awful team overnight. They're on a slide. They doesn't, it doesn't look like they can buy a win. Um, I think we're going to get a draw. Um, I think we probably could and should win. It's, 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 but... Um, I can't see where Brentford goals are coming from, to be honest with you. I think this is either a one-all draw or a nil-nil draw. Um, so I'm not doom and gloom, but there are still... Don't like it. No, no, no. Still, well, I might, I might do. They're, they're, I think Derby is still a very good team. They're, they're, a, they're a wounded animal. I think I can help Nick the Flagman out and uh, tell him where his next win's going to come from. Uh, <laughs> I think he might come on Saturday. Um, yeah, I mean... I, <laughs> Sorry, I wish I'd never said that. But, uh, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I am worried. I'm genuinely worried about it. I mean, the thing is, the last home game we played, I think, was Leeds. And we played all right for a lot of that game. So I'm still hanging on to the fact that maybe at home, uh, you know, in front of the, the Bees faithful, we can still get a performance out. And if we get a performance out against a team that's struggling, why not? You know, we did it, we did it last season. OK, uh, why not do it again? They are in free fall. They are really, really struggling. We are a bit crap uh, against the better teams, but if they're not one of the better teams, then we can turn them over. 
I'm going to hang on to the first five minutes of the Wednesday game where we actually look quite decent and say, <laughs> we're going to multiply that and add another 85 minutes on top of that and we'll look good. I'm so confident we are going to get a result against Derby on Saturday because someone has got, got kicked up the arse. Somebody, you know, Harley Dean's just got a new contract, so hopefully he's gone around the dressing room, he's kicking everyone up the arse, just kicking, kicking, kicking. Come on, we need to sort this out. I cannot see us getting anything but three points against Derby on Saturday. Can't remember what I said to the flag man, but I'm thinking 2-0, here we go, we're going to have it, and all of a sudden it's like we'll be back on track and everyone can stop maybe, the depression. Maybe it's time to just to make a little request of the Brentford players just to just go out there and just blooming play brilliant football like yeah, you did yeah. again, so in the first half against Middlesbrough go, go and play that kind of football go out and be fearless on Saturday the football you let's, can play let's just, just, just go and do them let's yeah. go and do them we're just going to do them so listen they're going to do the derby see you later derby it's all over for you now um, if you win don't call me on Monday but um, this is all good but look good podcast today lads slightly different um, great boozer here the, the old pack horse in Chiswick High Road um, finishing up our points one, of one more frontier for the road one more frontier for the road and the pint of red for the other Montana red for the lads as well so they're mixing it up between the, the ale and the lagers here um, just want to say to people actually train tickets to Ipswich are available still for £9 each only so you should get on the website £9 each and about £6 or £5 each if you've got a rail card um, to go up to Ipswich they'll probably charge about sort of £475 to get in but don't worry about that you can uh, of course try and sneak in over the fence or something like that so train tickets to Ipswich are there as well and also so this is the Pride of West London podcast. So subscribe to us now so you get the podcast downloaded every week and you don't even have to press any buttons. That's all for now. Lovely meeting you guys. Lovely drinking with you again. I've got an idea. Yes. Why don't we do it same time next week? What, you mean go to the pub? Yeah. All right then. That's a really good idea. Anyway, listen. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Like I said, thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening to us. Like I said, we're getting more and more listeners all the time. Like us as well on uh, iTunes as well and write a comment and just say we're really brilliant and it'll just go up in our ratings or something like that. But anyway, we are the Brentford. We are the best. Saturday Derby, you better look out for us because as we say, come on, you Good luck, Michelin. Oh, no, no. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.